This is the View from the Bridge official podcast of the Belfast Giants for KingdomoftheGiants.com. Today is Tuesday the 19th of November 2019. My name's Patrick Smith. Deep breaths, everybody. Um, not been the best couple of weeks for the Belfast Giants. Um, uh, point free weekend and two games against the Dundee Stars and the Coventry Blaze. Adam Keith and Steve Thornton have begun ringing the changes in the roster in order to try to get this team back together as we head off to Cardiff this weekend to face the Devils for the first time this season. There is a lot of ire, there is a lot of anger, there is a lot of frustration, not only on the ice, not only in the backroom staff, but no doubt with the fan base. And We are going to have a bit of a chat about where the Belfast Giants are at right now as we go into this weekend and we try to chase back down this elite league title. We're going to hear in this show from David Goodwin, the new centerman for the Belfast Giants. We'll also hear from the head coach, Adam Keefe. And we may be calling up Mr. Blair Riley, but we'll leave that for later in the show. With me at this moment in time, Mr. David McJimsey. How are you? Good evening, Paddy. I'm not too bad. Sorry about the, the echo. I only bit of work done in the house and it's uh, just me on the chair, on the mic, on the laptop. This was a bit... Uh, getting, the, getting the podcast suite redone, mate. Doing the uh, studio up again, mate, yes. Good, good. You're good. Putting, putting the effort in, that's good to hear. And the man on tonight, I think it's six years since your first appearance, Mr. Joel Neal. Good evening, Paddy. This kind of feels like a wake, boys. There's a very sullen tone. Is everybody okay? Yeah, doing all right, mate. Doing all right. Yeah, hanging in there. All right. I, I, I got to be honest, right? By the, by, the magic of, by the magic of radio, we don't always uh, record things in the same order. It's just something that we've just done there. It's just really took the wind out of the sails. I found that a lot tougher than I thought it was going to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's probably fair. Uh, it's something that you hear later in the show. <laughs> but what we'll do is we'll start off by talking about the two games the Belfast Giants undertook in the last weekend. Um, a home game to Dundee and away to the Coventry Blaze. Both regulation defeats. Start off with the game. Omar Pasha's side visiting the SSE Arena to take on sorry, the Stars to take on the Giants and they walked out of there with a 4-2 victory. Giants goals coming from Mark Garside and Bobby Farnham scoring at 59-59. The Stars goals come from Dow, Borygard on the power play, Pearson on the power play and Matt McCart on an empty net goal. Goalies uh, Shane Owen, 24 saves. Leclerc, 45 saves. Your refs were Matt Rose and Andrew Dalton. Davey, I'll start with you on this. Um, stagnant is the only thing I can think of from the Belfast chance in that game. Like, Paddy, if you interviewed me on Saturday night about 11 o'clock, you'd have got a different answer. One that was airlocked, but... <laughs> <laughs> but that aside, I'd watched the game. And, you know, I've, I've watched it back and... and analyzed it if you like now and yes to an extent I agree with you and I know the coach talked on his, on his interviews and stuff at the weekend about being perimeter and things that we've been saying for the last lot of weeks and I think we had an interaction you and me with someone else on Twitter and I can't for the life of me think who it was but we talked about don't worry about recording a podcast this week we'll just stick one on from two or three weeks ago before we went in that six game winning streak because it was the same kind of analysis if you like perimeter shooting from the outside nobody going into the house no traffic in front making it easy for goaltenders but you know like and i say this with a caveat of i've got the stats in front of me 
the Dundee Stars had 30 shots. We had 90. You know, that smacks of possessional and opportunity dominance. And the game didn't really play out like that. It, it didn't seem, watching it back, like we were as dominant as we actually were in terms of, you know, Dundee Stars, okay, the block 16 shots. A bit like last week, we were talking about the Nottingham Panthers being willing to, to... We've blocked half that many shots with a third of the amount of shots on us. So we're defensively, you know, okay, but we're conceding like goals from the outside, goals that haven't conceded when we were going through. It's all flipped on its head. When we were going through that win streak, we were solid as anything at the back. Now we're not getting a goal up front again. But symptomatic, like earlier in the season, we're not getting the goals and we're not defending as well. And the outplaying of that has obviously been roster changes, uh, which I think we all felt were coming, possibly due. More changes possibly due as well. You know, if we look around, We'll come on to the changes that were made and where the, you know, you know, we'll talk about them later in the show. But in terms of like the actual game, I can't look at that analytically and say that we didn't absolutely dominate that game. Now, why are we taking 90 shots and scoring effectively one goal and one goal with a second to go in the game from, you know, Mark Garside coming up with one goal, Bobby Farnham with a second? You know, statistically, even goalies at the very top of our game, 92, 93, 94% on their very, very best night, we should still be scoring, you know, four or five goals there. It's just why is the puck not going on the net? And I guess it's got time for Steve Thornton, Adam Keefe, Rob Stewart, Smo, whoever else is in that, you know, coaching sort of boot room thing that Robert put together. They've said times for change. The boys have had opportunities here now for, what, two months and, and the puck hasn't gone in the net often enough, so the outplay, as I say, is, there's been changes. We were one second short of nearly going three full games, scoring two goals, and those both goals being scored by D-men in Garside and in, in Patrick Mullen. Um It's just not good enough. Is that coming back to me again? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, sorry, Joel, because I don't want to... Wanna... Oh, no, you're fine. Hog the art time as such. Yeah, Paddy, I agree. Absolutely. And I know I'll probably get peltered on on Twitter or whatever about this analysis, but like, I'm sure Adam Keish looking at, oh, I know he is, he's looking at the same stats and he's looking at the same analytics as I am. You couldn't, if somebody didn't tell you what the scores in the game were and handed you these analysis that we have on face-offs and shots and where they're from and and, you know, heat maps and shot charts and all the things that we have, you would say that the Belfast Giants are winning these games like 9-2 and 8-7. and seven. The analysis of why we are not scoring is just, it just has to be personnel. It has to be that the guys that are employed to score the goals aren't scoring the goals. And I cannot for the life of me work out why and I guess that's why they're rolling the dice or they're shuffling the deck or whatever and, and I've seen a lot of um, chat on Saturday night Sunday night and, and sort of getting at Adam Keefe a little bit saying oh he's changing the lines too much but he's he trusts the players that he's brought in he sees them in practice doing things well they talked last week about you know being one of the best weeks practice they've had all season long mm. and you go into a weekend against Dundee and Coventry and you can't score when you're scoring for fun and practice and you're doing things right 
and he has trust in those players, and they're just not. To, you know, I'm not going to personalize it. I'm not going to call one, you know, one, two, three, whatever players out. As a collective, you've, you've hit the nail on the head. The goal was scored by Mark Garside. The goal the previous weekend, I can't remember. The only goal it, was on the Saturday, which was Patrick Mull. Patrick Mull on the weekend before. And, you know, the four, the forwards as a collective, whatever there is, eight, 10, 12 of them, just not putting the puck in the net. And I don't know why. The chances are there. We're getting no scoring opportunities. We're just not putting it past the goalie. Joe, the game itself, you have to put a lot of credit to uh, Omar Pasha's Dundee Stars. We said time time again, he get, you know, it's a, a game where he likes to sit back and catch us on the break. That's exactly what they've done quite a few times. But uh, and, and the Giants you know, just weren't able to fire anything back. Yeah, look, that leaves Dundee three and one on the ser- on the series. If you factor cup and league, and, and you know you, you have to just hand it to Pash. Uh, they've come back and they've avenged a, a heavy seven two defeat, where we were right in the middle of thinking that we were back on track. Um, I do have two positives for this game. If uh, if that would help lighten the mood at all, uh, I guess the problem is that neither of them are on ice. Uh, first of all, great to see Matty Rose back um, refereeing. He obviously fell and, and took a, a bad hit to the head in October in Cardiff, I think it was. Mm. Um, bad concussion, so good to see him back out there. And also, uh, I guess it's uh, it's good and bad. How phenomenal to see a full bowl absolutely rammed building in November on a night when you had the, the NI Open Snooker Championship, Northern Ireland's game against the Netherlands, and Belfast Christmas lights switch on. So, you know, it, it, there's, there's good things happening on the periphery, but unfortunately it's uh, it's sparse consolation whenever you look at what's going on on the ice. You know, um, you know, like, like let's take a look at Davies analyzed it quite well. You know, we are in an extraordinary week, uh, an extraordinary month, I guess, for this club. I don't remember a time uh, in in the sort of decade, I guess, that, that I've been at almost every game where, where this kind of thing is happening, where we are, uh, as I said in previous weeks, defensively doing enough to win games. Our build-up play through the neutral zone is good. Uh, we are fast on transition, but when we hit that blue line, something peters out. And, you know, we had our looks early in that game. Kieran Long uh, had a one-timer, which was tipped up onto the net. The first 10 minutes, we looked okay, but there was just no fizz to the game. There was no spark and, and, and no grit. You know, Jordan Smother and Paul Swindlehurst had, had some, a couple of kind of decent chances. Um but then, you know, if, if you don't take those chances, no matter how many there are, sooner or later somebody will score. And that's what Dryden Dow did. You know, Shane Ohm was forced into that dangerous rebound and, and they, they worked their way inside in our zone and, and they pounced, you know. And, and even after that, uh, you know, sometimes you just get the feeling that it's all going wrong. You just, you, you can't see a way back, even though the game is perfectly winnable. For the rest of that first period, after the first goal, Belfast could not carry that puck over the blue line. It was as if, as if there was a force field. Um, you know, in that second period, Garside got that goal it was a scrambler it was nothing uh, nothing emphatic um, uh, you know, and, and there was uh, the biggest reaction of the night was a defensive phase. You know, mm-hmm. Shane Owen sprawling all over the place, four tail shirts battling around the crease. That was the biggest reaction in the barn all night, and that says everything you need to know about the the, the prominence of our effective offense. Uh, the Giants' power play, I'm sorry, was dreadful. Uh, Beauregard has been it has been pretty poor all season. I have to say. Yeah, I mean that that uh, that Beauregard goal for two one was on the par was on a was on a. Beauregard ah, sorry, goal was on a penalty kill. Yep. 
it, it was on a kill. Uh, you know, that that one, uh, Matt Pellich took a, a stinger with the puck and, and he was really feeling it. Beauregard found himself wide open in the zone. So so obviously that that was bad. Uh, DeFore then scored a power play goal early in the third. Um, and, and after that, the game was dead. Frustration had set in. Our, our penalty kill obviously also stuttering there. But the power play really has faltered. I can point to a number of times over the weekend and especially in Coventry the next night where I legitimately forgot we were on the power play. You know, you, you're just watching the game thinking that it's five on five because there's no attempt to set up a cycle in the zone. There's there's no uh, effective system emerging from, from what I'm looking at. Um, you know, we could pick over the bones of this forever, uh, which there's, you know, uh, it's, it's cathartic uh, uh, to a degree, but um, I think we've said everything needs to be said. You know, we are in an extraordinary month for this club. Davey, I'm going to pop out to you just because I asked for a few people just for comments on Twitter and the likes. And Ryan Rodwell says it, picking up on what Joel's just said. Uh, special team statistics over the past week. It's it's going to be pretty unsettling, but sh- should certainly be discussed. I think our power play conversion and our penalty kill percentages are probably at their worst for a long time now. I'll argue that I actually think up until maybe the last week or two, our PK has been pretty phenomenal. But the power play itself, you'll know statistically, you know, we don't seem to be firing as we should be. It's a, it's a similar, you know, analysis to the, the the overall theme of the game. I think that you know, I I always worry about trying to overanalyze things from a layman's term. Like I haven't played the game, so it's it's just what I've learned over whatever, 30 odd years, maybe a wee bit more of, of what 30 years of watching the game and what I understand to my eye, a good power play should do. And I, I also often think we're going to be a little bit static. And, you know, we, we just weren't, we're, we're not creating looks. We turned the puck over a lot on the power play. We obviously scored shorthand, but we also conceded shorthand, which takes a lot of momentum out of the team as well. You know, we've, we've talked about our penalty kill. We've taken a few too many silly penalties. I've seen a lot of finger wagging on Twitter and stuff over the last few days as well. And you, you, you can't personalize things. People take penalties in games. We're not taking ill-disciplined mountain penalties a la a few years ago when we had different personalities. And I think we all know who we're talking about there. You know, within that, and that's, that season's gone, we, we have a pretty disciplined team in terms of um, they're not getting misconducts for talking back to the referees. But there are there are things to work on. Like that power play will be worked on every single day of the week. Mm-hmm. And it's not for five minutes of practice. It's a massive part of practice. And it will be frustrating. Like I, I said the other day, the the says, you know, Kiefer looks five years older after five weeks of the season. He takes so much of the blame and the responsibility himself. You could hear him talking on the show later on. Um got a chat with him earlier on and he takes it so personally and he takes so much responsibility but there comes a time as well and we asked him this question the other week when does the time come to say you know what I, I'm taking my responsibility but I've kind of done all I can do here I've prepared you you show me in practice that you can do what I've drawn on the board you've now got to go and convert you've got to go and do it and it's just a case of we're not you know, we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing as a function. We're not functioning as a, as a unit well enough. And as I said at the very start, Patty, it is down to personnel now. I don't think it's down to systems. I don't think it's down to the coach. I think it's down to conversion. And I think it's down to 
following that process and being willing to go into those dirty areas that we're not willing to do. You know, you can overcomplicate a power play. By that I mean, I don't mean the team. Us as fans can overcomplicate what is a pretty basic situation that you've got more men than them and you've got to get pucks through the net. And if, if I look at our stats over the weekend there, one of our major failings from the last, from, from the defeats, if we if we take and say everything was rosy in the garden, had the six wins, it wasn't. We were just slightly better than what we've been and we're only slightly worse than we've been. Not, you know, you 80, 80, 90 shots that I say there, you know, you convert a few of them, we're, talk, we're talking in a completely different context. So as I put on Twitter, you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater either. You have to believe in the process that we're still within striking. The winner two games now, we're a point off the top of the league. Mm-hmm. Let's not get carried away with the position we're in. We often talk about Babcock, you know, don't get too high, don't get too low. But we have to be careful that we also don't gloss over what is... I'm not going to call them unacceptable, but certainly wins that have been thrown away. These were, you, you have to be, to be at the top of the league in April, you have to be putting away the Dundee Stars. When you look at the league table, you have to put the Dundee Stars away at home. If you were at Coventry two weeks ago and you beat them home and home, you have to put them away on a Sunday night. With the depth of scoring talent that is in that team, it's just not good enough that they're not coming up. None of the forwards are scoring goals. Jordan Smotherman leads the team in points. He's doing what it says on the 10. Bobby Farnham probably wasn't signed to score as many goals. Interesting um, interview with Bobby last week where he's talking about how he had to change. You know, if you're a player in North America and you're getting four minutes, three minutes a game and you're getting out and you're getting two or three agitating shifts or penalty you know, penalty kills or you're, you go out there to send a message, you go out there to give the top lines a couple of minutes off. Whereas now, you know, if you look down some of the, the forward lines, you know, Bobby Farnham mm-hmm. um, on Saturday night was out with Reddix and Ward. Then he was out with Hamilton and Ward. He was out with Ronka and Ward. He was out with Reddix and Dupuy, you know, He's one of the common denominators here because he's playing well and he's willing to go into that blue paint. So he's getting his ice time. You know, and from that point of view, you have to say, well, kudos to Bobby, we patting the back. He was brought in to be a wee bit of, a, wee bit of sandpaper, but he's being depended on to, to try and get other lines sparking. So, you know, and that's not what Adam Keith will want. Adam Keith will not have signed Bobby Farm thinking he's going to be the spark plug that, you know, that lights up. Liam Reddix that lights up Jean Dupuy, who's sadly left us, you know, who lights up Brian Ward. He will have been the guy to come in and, and back these guys up when yep. they go into the crease when it gets messy. Bobby Farnan's stepping in for them. He's being, the, he's being the one that's sort of a catalyst to try and get these guys sparring. It's, it's so frustrating, Paddy. It's so frustrating, but temper that with, I'm not saying it's acceptable, but temper that with, don't get too low. We're still right in the mix. But we it can't go on. You have to hope that David Good coming in is a major spark. Yep. That that he wins a few more face offs. Perhaps we're a better puck possession team than we are team chips and chases. So you know, win more face offs, which we did well at the weekend. Keep possession. Don't turn it over, and then all the good things happen. But you know, right back to my first sentence, Paddy. We had ninety goals at goal. You've got to win those games. There's just no glossing over that. No. Um, I'm going to move it on to Sunday's game. The highlights of the 
that game, the Dundee game from Belfast Giants TV with Mr. Simon Kitchen and the return of television's Neil, the coach, Russell. Um, and if that's the result for his mate Omar Pasha when he's back on comms, then he can... Anyway. Um... <laughs> Go back to wherever he got that tan. <laughs> Hashtag thanks, coach. Um <laughs> Game in Coventry on Sunday. Uh, the Belfast Giants a number of weeks ago, as David had just said, had back-to-back victories. In fact, had a victory in the Sky Dome only a couple of weeks ago, 6-3. This time, 6-3 against another regulation loss. The Giants' goals coming from Ronka, Bobby Farnham, and shorthanded from Matt Pellett. Uh, the Blaze goals, two for Corcoran, two for Ball, one power play goal, one empty netter, one for Bluduff and one for Paul Camp. Um, in goals, Owen, 30 shots against Phillips, 36 shots against. Uh, and your referees were Tom Darnell and Liam Sewell. Uh, an eventful uh, game, but Joel, coming to you once again, the Giants, while showing some green shoots, which you've said a few times this season, just seemed to collapse, and we'll we'll talk about the the, the controversial fourth goal for the for the Coventry Blaze in a in a minute. But that led to what ended up being the six three. Yeah, so I mean, but first of all, there was a bit of chopping and changing with regard to the scratches ahead of faceoff. Yep. Uh, Mullen and Forsberg sat out, and I think Mullen and, and Dupuy were swapped uh, during warm-ups, which obviously points to to the the sort of uh, the unrest and um, among sort of personnel, which has obviously played out at the start of this week. Um, so I mean, that that was an uncomfortable moment at the start, but but I actually thought we looked okay early on. You know, we we came out with a bit of jump. There, I said it before, our transition play was very fast. Uh, the, the the game itself was good to watch. It was end the end in the first period. Uh, Patrick Runka's one 0 goal. I I terrified the cat when when that went in. Uh, I, I was just so happy to see him score. He needed it so badly. And um, it was a great play to win the puck off the draw in that right circle and uh, an unbelievably uh, a tight angle from the shot. Um, you know, it, it felt like we had a bit of the rub of the green there. Um, I, I saw a little bit of fire in the belly. You know, Lackinen, Yanni Lackinen, and Liam Reddicks had a bit of a scuffle behind Shane Owen. You know, you could see that that the Giants could feel the pressure and, and feel the sort of uh, the, the, I could see that they were willing to to try and make something of the game. Uh, we got lucky with with a Corcoran and Curran one two down the zone in that first period. Uh, phenomenal play and and uh, and a miss which we were lucky for. Uh, then in the second period, either the blaze came to life or or the kind of cracks began began to show uh, for Belfast. I have to say that Paul Camp shorty for one each was one of the best goals I've seen this season. Uh, yeah, he. Uh, uh, Cork, Corcoran, as it's Corcoran, dummies two teal jerseys on, on the right side of the blue line and feeds Paul Camp, who five holes Shane on. You know, if, if it was for us, I, w- I would have been blown away. It was it was a beautiful goal. Um, ben Lake, to be fair, we're still in the mix at this point. Uh, ben Lake uh, dummies uh, the, the Coventry tendy. He dummies him so far that I think he ended up in the car park and, and Bobby Farnham just had to tap home a, a wide open goal. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're two one up at that point. Um, but then I think, you know, as, as something you said today, Paddy, just it, it began to sort of fall apart. Uh, you can't say much about Corcoran's uh, goal for 2-2. The puck just dropped in the middle of the slot and, and one of those kind of freak plays and he got a, a free bite of the cherry. Um, you know, it, uh, David Brawl breaking my heart again. I don't know what it is about him. He looks like the guy that, uh, what's the main villain called in Goon? You know, the guys that plays for the Shamrocks. Yeah. Brawl I, looks exactly like him and I can't stand him. I, I, I like the comparison to Tosh from the Bill. That was <laughs> that's, that's one for people of a certain age, isn't it? Um, you know, uh, 
fantastic phase of play for a Matt Pellet shorthanded goal. So you're in the third period here and it's 3-3 and we're still in the game. Um, then a, a number of penalties and I just felt that sort of sickening feeling in the pit of my stomach again, like this isn't going to go our way no matter what we try to do. And of course, that's how it went. Uh, I'm going to stop before obviously the the uh, controversial 4-3 goal because uh, that was probably the major talking point. Well, let's talk. Let's come to that. Um, the it is a three-three game, as you say. You know, the Blazers has started to up it a bit, and then uh, there's a bit of a the puck goes in on top. Of, sorry, Chinon goes on top of the puck. The referee doesn't wave any sort of goal. We're told by the uh, the commentators in in Ed Kimberley and uh, Stu Coles that there is no. Um, Goal line technology available due to quote hardware issues. The referees go to center ice. I don't know. I mean, Liam Sewell's chatting to both captains. Um, I don't know where Darns is, but anyway, uh, Sewell does make the TV symbol with his fingers, but we're already told that there is no goal line technology and subsequently. Well, the, even the even the commentators themselves are saying, I don't know how they can give this goal if they can't see it and there's no TV. They did give the goal. We don't know how, but they did give the goal. That made it 4-3, and then they subsequently went on to win 5-6. and six. David? I guess with there being no goal line technology, they're not able to overturn the decision on the ice. So but there was no decision on the ice. That's there, the thing. there wasn't. All right, sorry, I thought there was. There was, well, they, there was no the signal of a goal. There, there was no. the, the play was whistled down with no signal of a goal. The red light you know, came on, certainly. Well, yeah. You know, you look at this over now a couple of weeks, and I'm not crying because decisions have gone against us. A couple of, a couple of decisions in Fife weren't against us. Say went against us. They didn't have the goal line technology to, to make it crystal clear whether the goal should have been given or not. And the same in Coventry the weekend. So I, I suppose an open question to the EIHL is, is this a professional top of the tree United Kingdom hockey league or not? You know, are we going to make sure that these things are in place the next time a team comes into Coventry, that there isn't a hardware issue, that Fife have to have their goal line technology either installed or switched on, and that every other team in the league is playing to the same set of rules? That if you score a goal in Cardiff or Belfast or Sheffield, that you're as likely to have it analysed as you are in Coventry or Fife or Guildford or wherever... You know, it has to be just a standard across the league. Going against us, perhaps, but you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit, Paddy, to keep analysing the same game on, game on, game because it's a bit, a bit like Saturday night. We actually started quite well. Yeah. Um, in fairness to us, I thought that we came out with a little bit of jump. We obviously got the goal. Nice goal. There's not many goals scored from behind the red line. Um, <laughs> and a bit cheeky, opportunistic from, from Ronka. And it was or Ronka. Great to see him um, getting a goal and, and buzzing about. And you sometimes wonder, is Patrick Ronka, Ronka. That, Ronka that good that people can't get on the same page as him? Or has he not came to the party yet? I'm just, I'm, I'm not, jury still out on, on Patrick. He's a fantastic skater. Absolutely can leave D-man and forwards in his wake. The puck is like on a string. But we haven't had, statistically anyway, we haven't had the production that we probably 
would hope for. But he's coming from like you know that Polish league. It's a completely different league. It's and and he's he's surrounded also by other misfiring forwards. So it's difficult to really say you know he's not great or he is great. He's still the jury's still out on a whole lot of these guys because. When everyone's not firing, it's very hard. It's a team game made up of individuals. So, you know, it's difficult when a team isn't firing because then the, the spotlight kind of comes on individuality. And I don't really like that team sense because it's just because, you know, you change one piece of the puzzle doesn't necessarily mean everybody else, you know, pulls their socks up. It's difficult. I thought we played well in that first period. I thought, but... Uh, you know, we were then, as Adam Keith, I think, it was this game that he said we were kept quite perimeter on as well. And, you know, it's symptomatic. Which, we, which we are time and time and time again. We were, we were kept perimeter against the storm. We were kept perimeter against the blaze. We were perimeter against the stars. We're, much, we, well, much more so on Sunday than Saturday. I, I, I still think Saturday we got in low slot. We didn't maybe get mid ice up. We're certainly getting plenty of shots in, maybe not on the right areas of Leclerc, but we were getting shots in. We weren't getting those greasy rebounds, unfortunately. On Sunday, especially so, so disappointing in the third period. I was really disappointed with our sort of output in the third period where we, you know, we just didn't come up with enough in the third period to turn that game around. And, you know, that's probably been one of the most disappointing 20 minutes of the season for me. Um, I thought we could have done a lot better in that last one. The thing that there were a lot of questions asked of the Belfast Giants in that third period, mate, and I, they didn't come up with any sort of answers. And the, I think this is the first weekend of the two games where, you know, privileged position. We get to watch, sit and watch the games. I, I, you know, I'm not getting home as often as I'd like to. I, I watch uh, most games on webcasts. And, and this would be the first weekend I'd probably have switched off both games with 10 minutes to go in both games where I was just like, I can't see this team coming back from this. I can't see this team, you know, scoring the goals. They're not answering the questions that were being asked by the opposition team. And that's gut wrenching from a position of uh, league champions. And yes, there's personnel changes. And yes, you know, it, it, there, there's got to be fight in the team and no doubt you know do you still have belief in this team I do I certainly still have belief in the coach I still have belief in the organisation uh, we're ringing the changes now and, and the questions continue to be asked and more so this weekend when we come to talk about it later against the Cardiff Devils but in these two games it was just like, like I say that the last 10 minutes against the storm and when they were just pulling away, I was just like, no, I'm not, I've got better things to do now. And the last 20 minutes against the, uh, against the blaze, like you say, when the blaze started out and take away the controversial goal, take away that when the, when the blaze started to ask the questions and press against us, we weren't pressing back. We, what, I'll just stick with you this question, David, and I'll, I'll put it to you after, Joel. This team was built with a level of physicality that I don't see at this moment in time. Do you agree? Do I agree? Because, because there were certain aspects in that game, especially the game on Sunday, where I thought maybe there a well, you know, a couple of hits, maybe a drop of the gloves, a, a bit of physicality in the game might have given a boost to the bench when we badly needed it. 
Yes, I agree. And I guess when you've got, you know, you're in the first minute or whatever of, of the third period, I think it is, that we, we, we score the third goal to tie it up at three each and you think, right, we're that's game on. Yeah. Um, well, not even that. that, that that's our moment. We've got to kick on. We've yeah. got to get the next goal. The next goal is important. And obviously that all spun on its head. And, um, you know, <laughs> we've talked at length. You know, you go in and you make that hit, or you go in and you, you and drop those gloves against somebody who, you know, the Coventry Blazer three eight against the Giants at home. Is anybody really going to want to drop the gloves? And that's their game over. Your game's over. You're two plus five plus you know, ten. plus yeah, plus together. ten. You know, you, you take them. That's your game over. Your team's now down a player for an, an extra, you know, seven minutes or whatever. The, the risk, the jeopardy of taking those penalties now, players are not getting involved enough as. But I'm 100%. Look, we've always been. It's a bit like it's an identity question, I guess. You can ask what identity. I mean, I would probably throw that one at Joel to give a. I feel like I've been hogging the mic here a little bit. But, you know, what is our identity at the minute? Because we're not scoring goals, we're not defending, and we're not physical. So, what is that identity? What is it we're searching for? What was it over the six games that made us special there for a couple of weekends where, you know, we weren't. Were kind of untouchable against Coventry players the other week. I said on the podcast, you know, in every area, in goaltending, in defence, and up front, I was talking to Rob Pallister, we were just marginally, a few percent, which is all all you're going to get in this league with the parity in it. You just need to be a little percentage better than your opposition in each of those areas on any given night to win the game. And on Sunday night, especially in that third period, we just weren't. Um, if you give me one second, just a here, Paddy. In that third period, with with a few shots, lots of shots from outside from the from the from the the, the D man, but in front, three shots from Liam Reddix, one shot from Liam Morgan, one from Smo, two from Franca, and one from Liam Morgan. You know, our big guys just where's the where's where's Hamilton? Where's Wardy? Where are these guys coming? They're they're not even having opportunity scoring. You know, why aren't we? You know, why aren't we creating? And I guess if Adam Keith knew that, that you know we would be. But I, I go back to the Dundee game and I go this game, same and week on week on week on week. It's now not a system issue. It's not a process issue. It's a personnel issue. Joel, identity. The identity of this hockey club has been Adam Keefe since he arrived in 2011. Uh, be that on ice, you know, he was the guy to pull us up by our bootstraps or to create that spark. And behind the bench, he's now someone who, and I, it may have been uh, over-emotional or whatever else, but I, I said on Twitter after the Coventry game that uh, I need to see some heart from this team because there is a city that cherishes the club and they're playing for a head coach who physically bled for it. Adam Keefe, is, has been for a long time now, the identity of this team. And I think that's why it hurts so much. Um, you know, you think back to, to even the, the middle years of his playing career. Do you remember whenever we sort of had the unofficial tab of the comeback Kings? You know, you could be trailing by two with, with six, seven minutes left. And I remember sitting thinking, no, we're good here. We're going to, you know, we're going to get this. This, this may come down to the wire, but we have a shout here. And I just haven't felt that. You know, you guys are, uh, you've you've been around this game for longer than me. Uh, you are analytically, 
I think, better than me at reading the game. Uh, and, and it's something that it takes a long, long time to learn. Sitting in front of this microphone isn't easy. But I've been around sport my whole life. And uh, I've spoken before about just how interesting the psychology of a team uh, is and how much of an effect that has on the on-ice product, away from all the X's and O's and whatever else. See when that rot sets in and whenever things aren't going well and you've got that feeling in the pit of your stomach, whether you're going to practice, whether you're going to a game. And let's be honest, there are guys who are fearing for their jobs on a weekly basis, as we have seen this week, because we've cut two. Um, When all of that is playing in your head, there's no way you can be all out enjoying what you do it doesn't give me any pleasure whatsoever to say this you know there's there's no there's no schadenfreude or whatever you call it here i'm not sitting reveling in in bad times or or, or, you know hoping that it makes clicks and gets content whatever else i love this club and it physically hurts me whenever we go through periods like this the fan base is turned on each other Kiefer looks uh he just he looks so uh, frustrated and unhappy. Um, it, it physically hurts me because of how much this club means to me. I think that there are guys in that room. Uh, they are under the cosh right now. Uh, if I'm having a stressful time in work and I try and draw out the parallels for my stupid normal job, you know, I'm not a happy person. I can't go about my day and enjoy what I do on a daily basis if I'm under that kind of stress. And I just think that once the ice starts tilting against you like that, whenever it's in your head and whenever you're playing scared, uh, you know, playing playing with with concern, playing with anxiety, then that's when these kinds of things happen. And see when that ice starts tilting, it almost feels inevitable. You know, you know, play the Coventry score, uh, the, the game's 3-3 in the third period. It's a it's a psychological thing where you don't have the confidence to say, no, come on, boys, uh, you know, t- uh, pull up the bootstraps here, let's go, we can battle back into this. Um, it, it's a fascinating thing that that someone much more qualified and more intelligent than me could probably speak with more authority on, but very much that's what I'm seeing right now. Um, there's a lack of heart and a lack of grit, and it's born of frustration, anxiety, and, and not having a good time playing your hockey. This team's at its best when it's rolling. The tunnel after a game, everybody's laughing, having the crack everybody's smiling and we just need that little spark and it sounds like i'm retreading old ground but that's the game that we're in one or two results and this thing is turned around and let's not as davy says get too high with a high too low with the lows we are right in the mix here people's frustration is because they haven't seen the consistency of a team that's going to go and, and run the table and knock that absolute pretender off the top spot well done zach you've won a few games in november you might as well <laughs> hang your banner amongst your hall of fame now boys the giants are coming we're a good team we've got a phenomenal head coach we're in the weeds right now but i have no doubt that there is a way to turn it around it's tough right now it really hurts and it hurts me to see guys that i like lose their jobs i don't enjoy any of this but it's it's what we're dealing with so we have to be as honest as possible I actually, Paddy, just to come back in on what Joe's saying there, it's a very, very true and, and real point about stress and working environment and stuff. And you've got to appreciate that while it's sport and it is a game, it's their job, it's their livelihood, and it's it's a high pressure. They make mm-hmm. no doubt about that when you're playing in the top league, even if it's goal line technology. It's, you know, it's <laughs> it's still, you know, they have, you know, the homes to pay for, the children to feed and clothe, you know, and I, I guess the pressure of being brought in as a as a goal scorer and not scoring goals, and as you've seen this week, you know, Jean Dupuy has lost his job and, mm-hmm. you know, we'll, we'll come on to that and, you know, I take really no pressure at all in it. In fact, I feel so bad for them. Imagine what Adam Keith must feel like, mm-hmm. making that call, making that decision that 
you know, I'm, I'm making someone unemployed here. And uh, having brought, you know, having, having spent time bringing these guys in and putting faith in them, then having to turn around and show them the door is a difficult decision to make. I guess the risk was Jean Dupuy, and I. I don't know whether you want to just take this now, Paddy. Well, yeah, let's go in. Jean Dupuy and Jesse Forsberg have been released by the club with David Goodwin coming in. We'll hear from David Goodwin in a second. But yeah, the, the two departures of Jean Dupuy and Jesse Forsberg, there we go. I, I guess, well, I, I, I'll go with Jean Dupuy. Give Joel his, his, his say. You know, Jean Dupuy never played really last season. You know, and I, I guess from that point of view, I thought it might take him a little bit longer to warm up. I, I know we, I think it was you, me and Sis on a podcast a number of weeks ago, six weeks ago or so, you know, we talked about who was going to get the goals in this team. And I can't remember what you and what you and Sis, who the players were, you said, but I'd say that at that stage, I wasn't really willing to nail McCullers the mask, mask on anyone because I hadn't seen enough. The, the one that hadn't played enough hockey, we'd played a few, you know, um, CHL games, we'd played a few um, exhibition games, but we hadn't seen enough domestically to make a call on it. And I just didn't see enough of Sean Dupuy. There was he, he, he came in glimpses um of what he could do. And I still think that <laughs> there's a risk Sean Dupuy will re pop up in the Elite League for sure. And he could be one of those players that could come back and damage you. But the decision had to be made. Changes needed made up front. You know, we we made a roster move at the back and bring in Liney and he looks a couple of games that he's played or a couple of four games that he's played. He's done quite well. We knew coming in on the analysis of him that he would be a weak side um, wing attacker. And so he's done. He's got in there and he's got shots away from that sort of top of the circle, circle area. And he, he's, he's created well in there. Um, but this this roster changed now to, to let Forsberg. Forsberg's been unfortunate. He got you know that early injury, didn't get going. Turned the puck over a wee bit too easy at times. You know, he, he suffered, I, I would have thought, he was one of those players that you know Joel's talking about there that maybe looked like the stress of the environment and having to battle so hard just to get in the lineup, let alone then, you know, you're probably thinking when you're going right here, I can't make a mistake or I'm gonna be I'm gonna be scratched again. You know, that is that is pressure. And he's ultimately he's played with it with his job. And like I suppose from my point of view, I've said it already, I don't like to see anyone losing their job. Make it makes no difference whether it's the Sheffield Steelers, the Cardiff Devils, whoever. I don't like to see any of them getting gassed. You know, even though it's our opposition, you know, you have a bit of a rise smile because it's sport at the end of the day. But you know, you you thank I guess Sean Dupuy and Jesse Forsberg for their their time in Belfast and their efforts because they didn't come in and just swing the lead. It just didn't work out for them. And uh, you know, I suppose it's a thanks for coming. And you uh, once a giant, you're always a giant. And, uh, you know, best luck with whatever you go into. Interested some comments we got from Twitter, Joel. You know, Jonathan Hughes, there was two changes enough for this squad. You know, uh Daz Dude, have we hit the panic button? Um and Andrew Adley saying he thought that Dupuis should have been kept and, and, and Forsberg maybe deserved more of a chance after the injury. You, you you will get these opinions from fans and you did see we did, we had we had Dupuis on this on this show uh, soon after the game, the opening game against the storm when he had that fight and you know the guy got a lot of heart, but there were player their cuts had to be made changes had to be made and we'll, we'll hear as i say we'll hear from goodwin in a second but uh your thoughts on 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 this shake-up well first of all uh and i am i'm the soft lad on the view from the break but i i felt uh 
genuinely deep sadness last night. I was I was really despondent and I was really quiet. And uh, you know, Danny was was trying to talk to me, and I just didn't really have anything to say. I felt really sad, you know. And, and I guess I'm in a, a sort of unusual position in that I have a, a sort of, I guess, an official role volunteering with the club and i also live among these guys you know i'm sitting in, in, a, in a flat here and, and their cars are in the car park and the boys come and go and i chat to them in the shop and you, you sort of do you, you you know you get to know them individually and and, and jesse forsberg and jean Dupuy were two solid guys really really nice guys um but it's the business that we're in. So unfortunately, when it's not going right, tough calls have to be made. And I'm glad that the Belfast Giants, uh, I'm glad that Adam Keefe, that Steve Thornton, uh, and be it, you know, Robert Fitzpatrick, the trust, the, the, the ownership, I'm glad that they have had the metal to make those tough decisions when they need to be made. Because in, in previous years, there have been detractors and naysayers who say, oh, the Giants hold on to guys because they're here for a degree. Oh, the Giants are more interested in uh, a night of family entertainment. You know, it's it's not about the on-ice product. They don't really care about winning championships. Tell me that now. You know, the, the easy chirp, which I have enjoyed uh, throwing at other teams in the past is, oh, they've hit the panic button. Look at Sheffield last year and, and their turnover. But what are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to languish and, and get, keep experiencing these defeats? If if this club was about bums in seats and firing sandwiches into the crowd, we would be carrying on with the status quo and trolling out the, sorry, rolling out the same lines every single week. Um, it's unfortunate that individuals have to lose their job, but let's not, from a side of supporting the club, feed anybody else's chirps. We haven't hit the panic button. We are making very difficult decisions in order to try and turn the ship around because that's what this club is and success is what we do. Interesting point you make, Joe, and put that to you, Davey, and I actually followed up from GMC on Twitter, Dadiator, he says, I've never really known the Giants to release a player because of underperforming in, in, in the years that we've been going. Uh, were they right to release two players, or should they have stuck it out and tried to drive up the performance to where it should have been, or were these guys scapegoats? No, were they scapegoats? It's always going to be a sort of harps back to something I said earlier in, in the, the game analysis, you know, as a collective, we're not firing, so someone was going to lose their job. Effectively, that makes them certainly look like scapegoats. You know, there have been a lot, a lot of analysis, a lot of conversations between coaches and assistant coaches and backroom staff and the head of hockey as to who was going to be the one or two to go. Obviously, when Lainey came in the other week, we were, you know, we were carrying extra extra man and then with uh, Goodwin being being fine you know bodies had to go you just can't keep everybody so you know, from that point of view there had to be changes one of them had to be up front you know I think the other week when Liney came in I was quite surprised that we were making a change on the back end because the back end despite Forzy not really playing brilliant Mully being in and out of the team with with Whatever was keeping in my with whatever was keeping in my games, you know, we were still pretty tight at the back. She and one, there'll be goals that he'll look back on and he'll want the second go at them. But that aside, you know, we were closing games and even like three each after forty-one minutes. Sunday was a close game. Um, Saturday should have been closer than it was. We've, we've talked through that. All those games that we won, you know, all the games that were lost as well, you know, so many one-goal games. So I don't think they're scapegoats. I think that the right changes were made. I think if you had sat me down and forced me, absolutely forced me to say, 
you've got to let two of them go. I think they probably, certainly one of them would have been, I think Forsberg for me was the weakest of the D-pack that, that is remaining at the club. And up front, I could have made arguments for and against Sean Dupuy going. Um, I think we've lost a bit of toughness with him leaving, a bit of size. You know, he's proven himself willing. Um, but we need to search. We need a spark for a goal. And I think have to step up and maybe carry that role out a wee bit more. Um, I, I could have argued maybe one or two others, but there'd be reasons why they stayed as well. You know, as uh, the analysis will have been done by the by the people that matter, and I'm certainly not one of those people. Let's move it on to the signing. Um, like I said, David Goodwin arrives, 27-year-old American centerman, uh, joining from Morai K in Sweden, obviously the team that we played in pre-season. Uh, he's also a former teammate of Curtis Hamilton, um, which we'll hear about because we I had a chat. He arrived in on Monday and I had a chance to chat with him. The Belfast Giants are ringing the changes after a disappointing couple of weeks. Part of that is the introduction of a brand new centre. That is David Goodwin, who joins me on the line now. How are you doing, mate? I'm doing well. Happy to be here. So you're coming in now. Let's start with uh, the immediates. Uh, you, how's your travel been? How are you feeling? What's been the last couple of days? Yeah, uh, obviously the travel, uh, you know, it is what it is. It's, you know, it can be tough at times, but like I said, I'm really excited to be here. So though I'm a little tired, I, uh, you know, like I said, mainly excited and uh, really looking forward to getting it going here. How has this opportunity come about to join the Belfast Giants? Yeah, you know, I was in Sweden and, and things weren't working out there. And uh, and Steve, Steve got in contact with my agent and and I started doing some research on, on Belfast, on the Belfast Giants, talking to some players and, and some other guys in this league. And everyone just had great things to say about, about this team and this organization. So I thought it would be a good fit. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping it will be. That's an interesting point. A lot of a lot of fans maybe think it's just about teams going out after the players. But the fit has to be right for the player. You you guys have to know that you're coming into a good organization. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I think it's important to uh, you know for for the player to do do their homework on the organization, on the coach, on the GM, and then and then also it's important you know what type of role the team the team sees you in, and if all those things match up you know well, then I think it can be a really good fit for everyone. You played with Curtis Hamilton, is that correct? Yep, uh, Hammy and I played together in Finland, um, and then I've played against some of the other guys on the team, but Hammy's the only guy I've played with uh, on the team. I guess it's a, sometimes it's a, it's quite a small network. You see a lot of these guys on, if not, you know, you played NCAA, which I'll come to in a minute, but, you know, mm-hmm. playing in Europe as well. A lot of these guys, as you say, you'll see, you'll see there's teammates or opponents from before. Yeah, certainly. I, especially, especially within the North Americans that are over here in Europe, you know, it, it really is a small group and, and I think that's one thing that makes it uh, really unique is that everyone kind of sticks together. You know, guys will go from this team to that team, this country to that country, and everyone kind of keeps in touch. And, and, and that's beneficial for the players because we can kind of get the information we need about, about the different teams. So when it came to the research, to the Elite League, to the Belfast Giants, what sort of thing have you learned about the team, about the league? Yeah, so uh, you know, like I mentioned, I did I did some homework. I talked to a couple guys that are on other teams in this league, and then obviously I talked to Curtis Hamilton a lot, and uh, just heard that Belfast is a very 
professional organization. Obviously, they have they have very good history. They've done well, you know, last season and in the, and in the past. And uh, you know, I'm just looking to come in and, and and add to that. You know, I think this is a really special place to play, and and I'm just uh, you know hoping to come here and and uh, you know bring some more wins. So give us a bit of an insight on yourself, David. You know, you, you, you've, you've come through the NCAA with, with Penn State and you made that jump straight to Finland. What, what, what was that decision about? Why straight to Europe? Yeah, you know, I think uh, like, like we kind of mentioned, it was just the best fit for me at the time. You know, I had opportunities to play professionally in North America right, out of, right after college. But, you know, I just thought, um, you know, coming to Finland, um, it, was, it was just the best opportunity for my career. And uh, I had two, two really good years in Finland, really enjoyed my time there. So I do think it was, it was the right decision looking back on it. With our links to the through the friendship four to NCAA two college hockey, uh, it's always quite interesting to chat to guys who have been through that system. You captain Penn State was uh, relatively successful there as well. How do you look back in your college days? Yeah, my four years at Penn State at Penn State were great. Um, it was capped off my senior year when I was the caption captain. As you mentioned, we. We won uh, the conference championship, which was a really special moment for for our university. So I look back on my four years with with a lot of great memories, and uh, you know I felt like I developed really well, and and then obviously also I got a good education. So I really kind of thought it was the best of both worlds. You come into a Belfast Giants team that are obviously ringing the changes, and that's why you're here. When you come up with a challenge like that, how do you respond? Yeah, I'm excited. You know, I think. Uh, you know, I feel confident in my ability that I can I can help the team, and and I'm excited to to you know hopefully, you know, get the get the ship moving in the right direction. And uh, I think you know obviously we have two tough games coming up with uh, Cardiff, and I think it's perfect uh, perfect time for me to get here. Just a, a good challenge, and I know it'll be tough. And what sort of player are the Belfast Giants fans going to see in David Goodwin? Yeah, I, uh, I, f- I feel like my strengths are uh, I'm, I'm a good skater, um, I can make plays, and uh, you know, I, I certainly like to, to get around the net and, and get, some, get some greasy, hard-nosed goals. So I would say those are my, my three strengths. Well, welcome to Belfast, mate. I appreciate you chatting. It's been a long travel day for you, so we appreciate you joining us. And uh, good luck this weekend against Cardiff in your debut, and uh, we'll chat to you again soon. Yep, thanks. Thank you very much. Thanks very much to David. Um, Joel, uh, they say sentiments coming in. We'll, we'll talk about this quickly because we've, we've spent a lot of time talking about the departures. But you know, he's coming in. This is the shakeup that's taking place um, coming into the weekend against the Cardiff Devils. You know, it's reset and go again. Yeah, look, uh, and to to close the sort of previous point and come into David Goodwin, everybody's going to have their opinion who should go, about what position we should sign, uh, whatever else. But how about you just put your faith in the man who lives and breathes this and, and works extraordinary hours? You know, we'll have our opinions, but Adam Keefe and, and the, the coaching staff will have the facts. Uh, so, look, fantastic to see on the flip side that we have moved quickly to bring in uh, an, an offensive defenseman and Ryan Liney, short, fast, good on the power play, and also now David Goodwin, who had a stellar career with Penn State in college, had two strong years in Finland. He went to Sweden. It didn't work out for him. He didn't actually play uh, with Mora in preseason. He hadn't joined at that point. He was still with uh, Saipa, I think, 
Um, so he got cut then from there, played, I think, 11 games then with, with Mora. Um, and that's a team who were freshly relegated. Uh, their head coach, Jeff Jacobs, was a man under pressure. Uh, he had to ring some changes and, and he has since been fired um, just because the team had, had been relegated and, and, and underperformed. So I wouldn't look too much into his spell in Sweden. It just seemed that he never really found a spot on a roster that, that was comfortable for him. Um, I think he's someone with pedigree to to create a spark in the elite ice hockey league. I think the the narrative with his arrival will play a big part. I think he knows he's coming into a club that are a little under the cosh right now and a fan base who is uh, a pressure cooker just waiting for this this big moment to, to, to sort of herald the return of the Belfast Giants. I think all of that will play a factor and I'm really excited to see what he's got. Um, I, I may sound like a, a homer, I may sound like a happy clapper, whatever else, but my, my trust is in Adam Keefe as it has been since the day Ari arrived in Belfast. David? As I say, you know, we're, we're, you know, the way probably, I don't know, 6 3, 2 10, 2 15, something like that. And, you know, I think Goodwin's listed as 5 10, 175 or something, you know. So we've, we've swapped size for, I, I assume, a little bit more speed. And we always harp back that old, you know, speed kills thing. And Goodwin is a player who, you know, we, I haven't seen enough of him. I don't really know his career that well. You know, so what do you do? You go and say he's captain Penn State. He comes with good NCAA pedigree. We have seen over the last number of years what good players can do. NCAA is now a beating ground for even the NHL, for top, for, for Liga, all Svenskan, good leagues across Europe. And some of that drips down, the ones that aren't just ready to go straight into you know, those leagues, some of them are coming to, to Belfast. If you can look at Darcy Murphy, for example, you know, we take that as the classic real. Liam Morgan came in, has done really well in the Champions Hockey. Maybe domestically needs to really, you know, step up to that Champions League level that he was playing at. It's finding, finding, it's finding combinations here. And I know we talked earlier, and I always yeah, I hate using that term, and I seem to use it a lot in podcasts. Well, we talked earlier, we talked last week about... You know, Adam Keefe mixing and mashing and eyes, just trying to find that one line because you need to get one line going. So crucial. I'm not sure whether it was in one of his interviews. Um, one of Adam Keefe's interviews, somebody asked him about, you know, sometimes you get scored from, like last year, the Riley Rutherford um, Murphy line carried us for a few weeks while other lines weren't firing. At the minute, we don't have a line firing. So Adam Keefe will be searching for that one little gel, that line that will just come together and step up and score points. And then all of a sudden, another line does it and another line does it. Start getting 60-minute performances and you get goals from all lines. Like the other week there, we went we went two games and I think like 14 players scored across two goals. Yeah. Something Across two games, you know, people were getting goals from everywhere. Suddenly it dries up. So there's no rhyme or reason why it doesn't. Hopefully, good one will will come in and be a little catalyst, a little spark that gets things going again. Guys will have been spoken to this week. It'll have been a difficult week in the locker room. Joel talked about the stress. You know, those guys are family to each other, and there's two empty stalls. You know, this morning when they go in, there's probably not a lot of debrief. And boys, we're going. It's just you know all the best lads, and and you move on, and you know. Those guys have to deal with that and now deal with the pressure of, we were told when you come to Belfast, you don't get sacked. And there's a bit of resting on your laurels, I think, sometimes, organisation where, uh, well, Belfast don't gas players. Yep. 
you've, you've had a wake-up call, boys. I would assume that every single one of them has had sitting eye, been eyeballed by Adam Keefe and say, I'm making changes next week. If you want to be here, you need to step your game up. And that conversation will have been had probably with every player. And nice time to make their money. You know, there's, it's, it's, they're not going to be millionaires. They're not. A lot of them are here for the love of the game and that they want to play. If you want to continue playing and want to keep representing this great city that you're representing for us, we appreciate it because we can't do it. And you're representing it for us. You need to step up. The Bouchie uh, introduction to David Goodwood is available on kingdomofthegiants.com. Let's hear from a man we've mentioned quite a bit, the man who's making the decisions. Simon had a chance to chat with Adam Keefe earlier today. We really appreciate the time of the head coach here. I know he's got a busy week ahead of him as he prepares for the doubleheader away in Cardiff against the Cardiff Devils. Adam, over the weekend, another two defeats. Uh, first of all, Saturday against the Dundee Stars. Uh, and then Sunday away to the company place. Can we start on Saturday? What was your what was your thoughts on the performance and the the uh, application to the players on Saturday? Uh, I thought Saturday. I thought we started well again. Um, obviously, we didn't do enough throughout that game, and we and we gave them too many opportunities, and um, we kind of followed up on Sunday with the same type of uh, performance again on Sunday. I thought. We started the game real well, um, lost some momentum, and it was tough to regain that composure again. Um, so, I mean, to be honest with you, it's uh, obviously a, a tough time we're going through, and uh, this is an important week for us. You talk about, you know, the momentum switch on Sunday, um, and I, I know I'm conscious of it, of what you can and what you can't say. Uh, about the officiating, but what was your view on the the goal that was allowed uh, for the company players? Which, because I'm assuming that's the part of the game that uh, really did switch momentum. Well, there's a few different instances uh, that switch momentum. I think special teams is, was a momentum swinger for them. Um, but uh, in terms of the goal, uh, you know, we were made aware at the start of the game that there is no goal line technology. Um, so there's not like I could ask for a review or anything. Uh, you know, I just, I actually had figured that it was going to be called no goal because they didn't make a call for the goal on the ice. But uh, one, one of the captains came and explained, I think it was Reddix, had told me that they, they said that if they called it a goal on the play, it was a good goal. So uh, at that point, um, there's not much I can do about it uh, other than try to focus on, on us getting one back. I mean, that's it's out of your hands at that moment. You have been talking about, um, obviously, your lack of goal scoring over the last few weeks. Um, you've made that move. Uh, you've brought in a new player this week, um, David Goodwin. What, what's your what's your story with regards to how the move came about for David? Well, I think uh, we have been struggling a little bit offensively and uh, his name came about there a while ago and um, I think that Steve has been speaking with the agent there off and on. And, I mean, it's a difficult thing to do when you're, you're trying to manage the players that, that are, are on the team and, and also trying to improve the team all at the same time. Uh, I, I tend to try to focus on, on you know the players that I have and, and what we can get out of them. Um, 
you know, that being said, once once a move is made to bring somebody new in, uh, it's difficult to keep everybody around and some tough decisions needed to be made. Uh, obviously, you're talking about the tough decisions. Uh, Jean Dupuy and uh, Jesse Forsberg were released yesterday. Um, as you said, that's certainly never an easy decision when, when uh, you're letting guys go. Yeah, I know. It was a, little, a very difficult day and, uh, you know, a very difficult few weeks, to be honest with you. To, um, I guess knowing we're, we're getting to this point when, when we added uh, Ryan Lowney as well and um, some real difficult decisions need to be made. And uh, Look, it's, it's not a good day and all that, uh, some people may think uh, otherwise because we're losing. But, uh, you know, these guys are a tight-knit group in that room regardless of, of the result. And, um it's not a day to be celebrated, that's for sure, when you, you have to lose two good men in, in uh, Jesse Forsberg and Jan Dupuy. And I think uh, guys understand it's a business and, and we must move forward, but I think it's uh, it's still difficult uh, to, I guess, accept and, and, and know that those guys are no longer going to be with us. Uh, with all that being said, I, I, I do think that their potential is very high, and um, I'm I'm positive that, that they'll find another team to to go and contribute on. It just the situation with us uh, at the moment wasn't working for for both parties, I think, um, and you know the opportunity for them to now go find uh, quality ice time and and. I guess you know, find uh, a, a spot where where they can have, uh, I guess, more of a an opportunity to have success. Uh, first day of training for David. I know he only came in yesterday. It's always difficult to, to try and gauge how you, you expect he's going to be and how. But how did he how did he start off this morning for you? Yeah, I thought he fit in well. Uh, you know, we've got him uh, playing with Ben Lake and, and uh, Jordan Smotherman, and at the moment, and uh, I thought that as a line they looked pretty good. And I think that uh, you know he, he fit in well in terms of what we were looking for. But again, yeah, I mean it is just practice, so it's, it really is tough to tell. And he's obviously just off a of flight, so he's a bit jet lagged and. Um, you know, it's a it's a big work week for for not only David but also the entire team to to get prepped and get ready for a tough challenge in, in the Cardiff Devils. Cardiff Devils uh, runners up last season at uh, the Euro champion Belfast Giants. It's never easy to go into the the uh, the uh, Viola Arena. Um, I'm sure you're expecting nothing but uh, a really tough challenge ahead this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to be uh, as good a team as we we've faced uh, yet. Uh, the Cardiff Devils. We know they're they're a good hockey team, and uh, they they haven't been at the top uh, of the of the table for a while now. Uh, in the last few years, uh, for no reason, they, you know they're a good side, and um, they've kept the majority of their team and, and added some pieces. So. Um, I fully expect it's going to be one of the toughest teams we've faced yet. Uh, but, you know, when we've ta- faced tough teams before in the past, uh, throughout the Champions League and, and uh, some big games from within this league, uh, our guys do seem to rise to the occasion. And I think that uh, it's a great test for us uh, to dig our way out of this little slump right here we're in. I know your, your team first mentality, you always have been. Um, especially, you know, we, we've seen that in Belfast, both as a player, a captain, and as the head coach. But how's this last couple of weeks been for you as a as, a, as an individual? Uh, stressful. Um, 
this is a tough situation. It's a different league over here in, in, in terms of chasing first place. Uh, it's like no other uh, league in, in the world uh, for ice hockey. And I think that, you know, the stresses are, are tough. And, um, you know, I particularly don't, don't like the way that I've dealt with it this time around. Um, I think I need to be better. I think the, the team needs to be better. I think we all know that, that uh, we need to respond to this pressure a little better. And um, we know that we have a good hockey team. Uh, we've proven that against some very good hockey teams. So I think that it's about uh, getting that positivity and getting a bit of swagger back in our game and trying to build momentum. And I think that it's difficult to do that uh, when you're, under the gun and, and under stress and, and pressure. So, uh, you know, I need to be better at, at handling that and, uh, and making sure I'm helping the group. And last of all, you know, it's always, as I said, the last couple of weeks has been a, a bit of a, a negative market so far this season. But looking at it from a positive side of things, you're only a couple of points off the top of the league here at the minute. And, you know, it's certainly, it's certainly not all doing its way. Yeah, no, I mean, look, we're... I, don't know, I know everybody says 11 points, but I think I choose to look at it as eight points back from Cardiff because I think we had a couple games in hand. But uh, whichever way you slice it, we were we were uh, a ways away from first place last year and we clawed our way back. So it's certainly um, not the end of the world. Uh, but, I mean, you know, we, we want to do well and, and guys want to win trophies and um at the same time, this is this is a very good hockey league. It's difficult to uh, to win in. I mean, if it was easy, we would do it every year. Um, and it's not an easy league to win in. So, uh, you know, we're, we're doing our best right now to try and right the ship. And um, this week and and this weekend coming is no different. Uh, every weekend, we, we try to go into it with the with the best frame of mind and and try and put uh, our best side on the ice. You know and, and that's what we'll be doing again come Saturday. Adam, listen again. We always appreciate your time. I know you're a busy man, so thanks very much for coming on ABF TV, and uh, best of luck this weekend. No problem, Sam. Thank you. Thanks very much to Kiefer. Right, quickly, let's look around the league. Uh, nothing much to to chat about outside of the you know, just a couple of fixtures. Uh, the two places of the weekend, Cardiff are finding their feet just ahead of the fact that if we play them this weekend, they have back-to-back wins over Manchester and in uh, against Fife. A mixed weekend for the Sheffield Steelers with a home win over Coventry, but then an 8-5 loss in Glasgow. Glasgow themselves had a 50% return on the weekend, having lost to the Fife Flyers uh, the previous night. Um, and the only other thing really to mention is that the, uh, the Panthers made the Continental Cup final. Don't know the details, don't really care. Yeah, who cares? Time to look ahead to what is a big weekend for the Belfast Giants. Two games away to Cardiff Devils. The first time we'll have faced the Cardiff Devils this season. And, well, we decided we'd call somebody up for a bit of a chat to see how their season's going. Um, Yeah, Blair Riley. You still there? He hasn't hung up. He's still there? He's still there. I knew he wouldn't hang up. How are we doing, fellas? All good, mate. All good. Yeah, all right. I'm going to let, I'm going to, I'm going to let Davey ask the opening question here. Yeah, here we go. Oh, well, I guess I get to, I get to do a bit of an introduction as well. 
the, the former Belfast Giants, two-time Challenge Cup champion, league winner last season, decides to take a step across the REC and the wheels. What the f***? <laughs> <laughs> is, that getting, is that getting bleeped out? It, 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 absolutely. <laughs> yeah, here I am, the villain. Uh, long time coming. I, w- I said I was open for a chat any time. I think Patty said, ah, he's not welcome. <laughs> I, I, I know I, I know I said to you personally after you know we wish you genuinely all all the best except against us and you know we don't really wish you you know you know what I mean by that because we obviously are Belfast Giants fans and we want to win but you know you did come to us and you played for our city you represented us as guys because we're not good enough to do it ourselves so from that perspective we appreciate everything you did entail but you know it's it's difficult I guess. Um, to see guys who, who revered you maybe turn a little bit on you on Twitter? <laughs> yeah, no, it was, I mean, I wasn't surprised by by it. Like I I had seen it uh, from players before. Obviously, I played with Martinelli and, and Whistle and uh, saw some of the flack they were getting. So I, I wasn't surprised by it. Um, and like I said, when I put a tweet out after, I, you know, I, I appreciate the uh, the support and the loyalty from the fans that that respect the team and and supported them during my time there and and will continue supporting after. So it was it was all good. Like I I completely understood the uh, the fans' perspective and um, yeah. I mean I you know I I couldn't make a decision you know for my career and and uh, personal development based on a, a fan reaction it's just not realistic but um it was obviously difficult to to make the decision and it was difficult to see some of the reaction rise it's your former hype man joel here uh listen i just i'll <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess i'll i'll reflect david you know you were always very generous with your time uh both with the podcast and with me and post game and whatever else uh you know got on with you off ice uh you never kind of big time just or anything like that so i just wanted to thank you for that and let you know that i'll always remember when we used to be friends um but the the worst kept <laughs> secret and the you know the the sign-in was the worst kept secret in hockey all summer just to sort of elaborate on what david said there how did it feel to see the takes flying online and for you all summer long to not be able to say anything about moving on to a much smaller club (laughs) nice (laughs) throwing at the end (laughs) um yeah i guess like once the team uh, like once belfast released uh you know whatever they they'd put out um it was probably just would have been just easy enough to announce it from Cardiff's side of things because yeah you know it everyone kind of had a pretty general idea of where I was going at that point. I guess there was still probably a little bit of mystery behind it. Um, yeah. But you, you guys know how, how signings go when they're released with Belfast. I mean, it's nice to uh, save some fanfare for, for the summer months when, when things are kind of quiet and, yeah, that's right. um, you know, you, you kind of do a slow drip and, and then it kind of gets some fan excitement going. So they they wanted to save uh, the announcement for their uh, yearly summit. But they actually didn't give me the heads up that I was actually getting released, you know, that day. And I was actually out on the golf course. And I went and, <laughs> I went and hit a drive. It was probably, I don't know, 320 right down the pipe. Yeah, of course it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Standard shanked it. Took a drop. Yeah, I was, I was <laughs> off in the woods, and then I had to. I, I came back to my 
to my phone and I, I checked and I had like, you know, a blow up Twitter message. You know, <laughs> broke go, the internet. Yeah, oh, here we go. So, so that's that's when it broke, and I, I didn't have a, a prior, you know, heads up that it was going to be released that day or that, that they were doing it. So, um, it was a surprise to me that day as well. Obviously, obviously, we accept that a, a hockey career and, and any kind of sporting career is is short, and you have to do what's best for yourself, what's best for your family financially and, and we accept that everybody knows this about yeah. that sport you mentioned just in, in in opening there about personal development do you really see the the step across to at, at that stage of your career a better chance to win in cardiff or what was the personal development you were talking about there about making the move yeah i guess personal development probably isn't necessarily the the right terms i you know i'm 34 at this stage um of my playing career um so that's probably not the correct way to phrase it, but um, Todd, you know, he'd given me an opportunity after the season, and um, I, I felt like at this stage of my career, it wasn't something that I could turn down. Um, you know, I I probably wasn't getting a, a a job to advance into into Germany or you know even Austria at this point, just because because of where I'm at. Um, and so it was an opportunity that I, I really felt like I had to take. So um, there's obviously some personal uh, details that that I'll keep to myself that uh, that go into a decision like this. But um, yeah, that's pretty much what it was. It, it wasn't a decision I took lightly. It wasn't um, it wasn't an easy decision, but uh, it was one that I felt I had to make. So Cardiff this season, let's just look at the team that you are now part of. Um, you obviously you opened up with relatively successful uh, Champions Hockey League. And, you know, to be fair to you, you put the hard work in last season to get Cardiff that position. So it was good you were actually <laughs> still able to take part. Um, what, what's been your take of Cardiff and how you guys have played so far this season? Um, yeah, it seems like, um, you know, uh, us and Belfast have almost kind of mirrored each other at times from just from what I can kind of read and, and follow along. Uh, we've been inconsistent at times. Uh, I thought in the champions league, we, we really took some, some good strides and, um, we felt confident coming out of that tournament, but you play such a different style of game when you're playing like for Lunda and, and Mountfield. And I'm sure you guys saw when you're playing some top teams from Sweden and, uh, it just doesn't feel like you have the puck a whole lot and you kind of got to change your game plan where you're you're simplifying you're you're chasing the puck a lot more you're defending a lot more and then you kind of get back in our league play and it kind of switches where you're more of the puck possession and uh, it seems like you got a little more time to make plays um so it seemed like we we struggled with that transition a little bit at first um you know we went through the injury bug as well as uh, it seems you guys have and um, you know, hopefully, hopefully these last couple of weeks, I think we've kind of, you know, started to hit our stride a little bit and, and hopefully, hopefully, hopefully coming into our own, uh, especially heading into this weekend, uh, as we meet you guys for a couple of big ones. Um, you know, and I think you guys probably look across the league and, and you guys see most of the teams now, it, uh, it doesn't seem to be a, a whole lot between all the teams this year, you know, whereas, uh, last year, it seemed like there was a pretty big gap between the top two. Um, you know, so it'll it'll be an interesting season, especially if uh, if things keep trending the way they are. It's it's going to be tight for 
you know, for five or six teams that think they'll probably have a, a legitimate shot after Christmas. Right. Uh, I just want to pick up just on, on the actual move. Uh, obviously, uh, there, there were, uh, as as Fee over there and as, as Cardiff's PR machine will do, expectedly, uh, they obviously made a lot of the sign-in and there were a lot of photos of you in the kind of red gear and whatever else. How, you know, I was looking down your, your career to date and, and I don't think you've ever made a move like that, you know, from arrival to arrival in, in the kind of loose sense of the word. How did it feel? How alien was it to suddenly be on the home side in that building and, and to pull on that red jersey after having battled them so hard for three years? Uh, yeah, it was it was a bit different. Like, um, you know, it was probably, it was probably a bit different for their fans, even, uh, getting used to seeing me in that Jersey and, and mm-hmm. having all of a sudden cheer for me where they probably, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, wouldn't, wouldn't have dreamed of that, um, over the last three seasons. Um, so there's a, you know, there's an adjustment period. There always is when you, when you come to a new team, uh, when you come to a new city, uh, and I was coming to a new locker room of, of uh, players that I've uh, gone through quite a few battles against. Um, but, you know, I, I've, I've been in that situation before uh, in my career. And, uh, you know, once you kind of get into the general day-to-day and, and you start uh, skating together and you, you see the guys so much, um, mm-hmm. it, it comes pretty natural on that side of things. Um, you know, I'm sure it'll be... Uh, it'll be a different experience this weekend, seeing a lot of familiar faces on the other side. Um, and, you know, even more so when, when we actually go up to Belfast to, to play the games there. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was a different experience. Um, but, you know, I, I've uh, enjoyed my time so far here. And it seems once you get into November, things just start flying by because you, you're playing so many games and you're so busy and, and you're wrapped up in things that it, it goes pretty quick. And, um, you know, weekends like this are uh, kind of the special ones that, that you'll probably remember. I've got a question just about your game. Um, I remember when you came in to us from, from Stockton and you came up with this reputation in the AHL of a physical guy was willing to drop the gloves and arguably you changed that sort of approach that you had there in, when you came into the Elite League. You became more of a goal scorer, a, a, most certainly a leader. You just have to look at the, the goals that led us to the title last season and you know the celebrations in front of the Steelers fans, the celebration in, uh, in Coventry at the end of the season when you went right onto the bench to give the grief to the lads behind you know you changed your game from that respect but you still have that level of physicality in your game but what I was want to ask you about is the last the last couple of weeks you received an instigator penalty for a fight against Baldwin was it against uh, Guilford and then last week there was a hit on uh, Joey Martin where you went steaming in and it looked that you were going to try to get involved again but you seem to take a beat and decide not to get involved. Is that down to the instigator penalty again? And does that affect the game in this country? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it, it does to an extent. Like, um, yeah, if you've, I'm sure you guys saw the Baldwin incident. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, I think we talked about this last year at a great length, that there's a, a point for the instigator rule and you know, there's, but there's a reason for fighting as well. And, um, it's still in the game to deter dangerous hits and dangerous plays. And I felt like that was a, 
a dangerous hit, uh, caught a bit of like head contact. Uh, so there's no penalty called. I, you know, I, it, it was within my right to go and, and then defend myself. Um, so that's what I was doing on that. Uh, I don't know. And then it turns into a two minute power play for them. And then I had to sit in the box for 17 minutes of the third period and in, in a close game. Um, the way the league's mapped out with every game being so important, like that's, that's pretty big. So, um, yeah, I think you're probably talking about, uh, Gutwald and, yeah. and Fife there. Yeah. There's, you know, there's under five minutes left. Um, an instigator there. I, I think I get at least a one game suspension probably on top of that. Um, and it's just, I mean, it's tough to, to put your team down in that circumstance, especially with a suspension, you, you lose an import spot. So someone else has got to sit out as well. Uh, you can't just bring another guy into the lineup. So the team's shorthanded and um, yeah, it's, it's there for a reason. I get that, but um, there's times that, that it doesn't need to be called and, and probably should be reviewed at times, but uh, it is what it is. Uh, yeah. The fighting's kind of getting away from the game more and more. And, uh, the instigator of the rule realistically is is a part of that. Is that difficult because you know you've grown up with the game, as you say, you're 34. You've grown up playing the game a certain way, understanding the game a certain way. Instinct will kick in with with when a player gets or a teammate gets hit like that. But a change in the rule now, do you find you have to sort of retrain yourself to to understand that? Yeah, yeah, I guess it's just uh keeping up with the times. Um and it's it hasn't been an overnight kind of thing like it's been a uh, evolution probably since I've been playing professionally. You can kind of see it um you know year by year it's kind of you know another rule will get instituted and you know something else will deter it. Um you know, so it hasn't just been an overnight kind of kind of thing that's happened but it's uh it's happened over time and um and just kind of the way the game is played now with uh, a bit more focus on speed and skill you you don't have as many people that are uh necessarily accustomed to fighting so it's that's probably part of it as well um but yeah it's um it is a changing game and uh you kind of got to keep up with the times obviously uh, Raz, I guess we'll wrap this. Um, it's been like seeing an ex-girlfriend out in the street, but... Um... <laughs> Is it? <laughs> How close were you? I better see you this weekend, then I... No, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, just you know, Paddy asks all the, all the you know uh, intellectual in depth hockey questions. I just want to know there's there's an old tradition in, in football or, or soccer as it is uh, with you, um, you know, players when they go back and play against the club that they used to play for that they were beloved at. If if they score a goal, not saying that players will score a goal, obviously, but if they they often don't celebrate as a sign of respect. Just wondering what your take on that is. <laughs> Did you just make that up? Absolutely oh, no, no, not. No, that's that 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 is a tradition of in in football that you don't you don't celebrate against your old club. Just I'm, just wondering. Uh, just wondering. I I will do some research on that for one. I uh, I've never <laughs> seen that. You, do, you don't believe me. <laughs> I don't buy it. Uh, <laughs> for two, I I mean I hope that it comes to that and I have to make it a snap decision in the moment because I hey when I when I celebrate a goal it's not like. It's not a choreographed thing, so uh, <laughs> you know, 
that thing in Coventry, I was getting flack from the fans behind the bench. So that's why I celebrate. It was Sheffield very funny. fans had taunted me before at times. So that's what they got back, I guess. Shouting at the linesman? The f- <laughs> yeah, the <exact. laughs> that, was, that was my all-time favorite, all-time moment. Again, see, so they're unprovoked. Uh, <laughs> you know, if, if I'm prodded, I guess I got to... <laughs> I got to reciprocate. So time will tell. And hopefully, you know, it comes to that and I uh, can find a way to score one. But, uh, you know, either way, I, I'm looking forward to, to returning there. I, you know, I've said it time and again that uh, I love my time playing there. I, you know, I made a lot of great friends and a lot of great memories. And, um, you know, three years that went really quick, but, uh, mm-hmm. Over that time, we, we did some pretty special things. So, uh, you know, when it's all said and done and, and my playing career is over, hopefully the fans will appreciate it more. I understand that uh, in the moment, they they probably won't when they see me on the other side, and, and I understand that as well. So, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate you guys having me on and uh, having a chat. Like I said, it's uh, it's always been a pleasure catching up with you guys. Well, listen, we really appreciate you coming, coming back on and being such a, a good sport for all the crack. Those yeah. games, Saturday, 7 p.m., Sunday, 6 p.m., over at the Viola Arena. You can get them on Ice Time TV with Gaz Hughes and Oliver Hampson if you're not making the trip over. I believe there's quite a few guys making the trip over, Ralph, so I'm sure you'll hear them. I think it might be a 4 o'clock start. Uh, oh, is it 4? Well, yeah, they got to get the boys out of there early for Sunday so we can... Catch up for a few pints, huh? Absolutely. <laughs> well, listen, I hope you don't have that decision to make on Saturday or on Sunday. Yeah, here, here. And uh, <laughs> well, hopefully we'll speak to you again soon. <laughs> Appreciate it, fellas. Thanks again to Blair Riley. Any other business, gentlemen? I'm going to start off just briefly. Another big thank you to everybody who's been tweeting in as part of the Bleed Teal 100. Um, we've had quite a few this week uh, of people who've been going down, giving their blood, helping people. Uh, help, they say every time you give blood, you help three people. You'll also be donating money to the Northern Ireland Blood Transfusion Service and get, maybe getting a pint for yourself at the end of the season. But that's, that's by the by because the main thing is the fact that by giving blood, you are helping people. And we've had a for a few people, Davy tweeting in in the last couple of weeks. Oh, brilliant! And um, I actually saw one of the school teachers at Ruby's going out date night. It was brilliant having a wee night out with Ruby and my own. But I saw one of the school teachers, and I was like, "That's having a bit of small talk. Where are you off to?" Says, oh, "I'm just going to, you know, um, donate some blood. Just get yourself over on the Twitter, onto the Facebook, <laughs> get a picture. Always working, Davy. Always working. Always listening. Get a picture of yourself taking blood." We'll set you up with a pint and our sponsors will put £10 in your name to the Northern Ireland Blood Transfusion Centre. doesn't matter where you are in the UK. If you're a hockey fan, you're a Belfast Giants fan, whatever, give blood, help three people, get a donation to charity and do something good for your fellow man. Stroke woman, stroke gender fluid, whatever. <laughs> What that took a turn? Wow! <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, it's it, this podcast is uh, is open to all. Uh, any other business chance? Yeah, just uh, the 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 Bleed Teal uh, one hundred, obviously. Uh-
seeing it all rolling in on Twitter and, and I'm, I'm feeling the, the sort of uh, feeling a bit left out, but I've unfortunately I'm, I'm waiting out my four months. Um, I did a bit of traveling during the summer and I also got some tattoos. So January is my time. Uh, for what it's worth, I have uh, an unnamed relative who is a registered nurse and, and I was, uh, in the house having a few drinks, uh, last weekend. Um, and there was a bit of kit in the house and I just wanted to see what it felt like. So I have had my veins punctured just to see what it was like and it wasn't too bad. So as soon as my four months are up, uh, I am straight in there and I'll, I'll be joining in but thank you and well done to everybody who has wait 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 wait, wait, wait. <laughs> this is this is what alarm people I'm, do I'm, 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 I'm pretty sure I'm well aware who the unnamed relative is but you, there was kit in the house uh, there was an old, there was an old needle or two lying around <laughs> all very all very sterile all all board um the, the unnamed uh, relative has just completed training so uh i was entitled to have all the gear whatever else um it was a bit of a lost bet over a few tins uh <laughs> down home so i just wanted to see what it was like and uh, and it wasn't so bad i'm still a bit bruised but um apparently i've got juicy veins so i'll be good to go as soon as january rolls around listen you don't uh, work out without warming up boys i've just been warming up i'm good to go uh, what i will say is a bit of a word do not categorically do not mess with needles they can be very very dangerous um, <laughs> yeah only only a trained professional in a sterile correct, environment correct uh, anything more david paddy the only thing i've left to talk about snl giants and obviously they're doing the hard yards the minute they're having to get on that boat and that bus every week big long run up the aberdeen a couple of weekends ago six nil loss against the aberdeen Lynx. um unfortunate um i think caitlin marson was away with team gb obviously a bit of a miss and then they went on last weekend against the North Ayrshire Wild, where they actually took a a one nil lead into the first period. I just can't put my hand on who scored, but I'm just going to assume it was Mark Morrison, you know. Woo-hoo. And I think that I, I think rather than go any further, we'll just leave it that the first. <laughs> Are you just going to leave it that they finished one nil at the end of the first? I think that's probably best. Yeah, okay. There's no point looking any further. Yeah, yeah. same same yeah. one the North Ayrshire. I'm going to go with that. Start, you know, steps to start off, and you know, hopefully things grow for them, and we'll, we'll keep on top. Of Absolutely, yeah, we'll, we'll keep on top of scores. I know, I know I say a, a, a bit of tongue in cheek because they obviously went to at the feet the North Ayrshire, but you know, it's difficult. You're on the road every week. It's costing them a lot of money. If anybody, any sponsors or anything out there, obviously want to sponsor the podcast first and foremost <laughs> but then if you've got any spare change and you want to throw it the way the SNL chance, I know it would be put to very, very good use. Uh, Paddy, sorry, just on the SNL team, there's uh, there's a team fund, winter fundraiser this Friday, the 23rd, I think it's this Friday, uh, or is it's 23rd Saturday? 23rd, is that Saturday? 23rd Saturday. Sorry, uh, Castlereagh Hills Golf Club this Saturday, uh, SNL Giants Winter Fundraiser from 8 o'clock. Uh, Fiverr tickets, £6 at the door, and there's a DJ. Uh, Graham Walton will probably be dancing. Uh, there's ballot prizes, and apparently there's a bit of beer pong too. So brilliant way to go and have a good night out and also support the, the SNL team. Fantastic. Hopefully people get down and be part of that. Right. I think we'll wrap things up there, gentlemen. Um, thanks to Adam Keith, Blair Riley, and David Goodwin for their time. Those games against Cardiff, Saturday, 7 p.m., and Sunday, as Blair Riley was quick to correct me, 4 p.m. And as I said, you know, if you're not flying over to the Viola Arena, you can catch them on Ice Time TV with our good friends, Gaz Hughes, formerly a reporter of this parish, and, uh, and Oliver Hampson. Um, no, Hampson, sorry. Um, on all I want to say, oh, sorry, big thanks to you two gents. Thanks for joining us. Cheers, boys. Thank you. Dinner.
It's going to be an interesting weekend for the Belfast Giants because the last couple of weeks haven't been very good. Let's be fair. We are all a little bit down. We're a little bit angry. If you're not angry at losses, then you're not following sport because, you know, you can turn around and think, you know, things are going to get better and they will. They absolutely will. That's what this club does. This club finds ways to to win. They've been the top of the league league for many, many years. They've been fighting for titles for many, many years. And they will continue to fight for titles for many, many years. And the great thing about the last couple of weeks, the great thing about the last couple of days, is the fact that the Belfast Giants have not sat on their hands. We've made the changes. No doubt that these players have been in and faced Adam Keefe. They've been told exactly what this club want to achieve. They've been shown that elite league title that is in our uh, in our in our trophy case. They've been shown those back-to-back Challenge Cup titles. They've been shown what exactly we want for this club and they've been shown with the 7,000 people that were in the SSE Arena on Saturday how many people will come out and support this great club. And we go into Cardiff on Saturday with a challenge and we've been laying down a challenge against a team who have probably been one of the better teams of the last number of years. But from time to time, that happens to the Giants. We went up against the Coventry Blaze. We went up against the Sheffield Steelers. We went up against the Nottingham Panthers. And now they, they've all fallen away and the challenger for the title is the Cardiff Devils. We have to go in there and take the win. We have to go in there and show exactly why the Belfast Giants are always fighting for the title. Can this team do that? Well, they've shown in the CHL that they can do that and they will do that because I've got, I think we all have a hell of a lot of faith in this team. Because this is the time that this team are going to step up. Going into the Christmas period and having a double header against the Cardiff Devils is exactly the way this team wants to begin the fight for the Elite League title. And best of luck to them because I I have no doubt in my mind that that's exactly what they can do. And on that note, wherever you're watching your hockey this weekend, we hope you enjoy it, especially if you're travelling over the Velo Arena to watch your Belfast Giants. And we'll catch you here next time on A View from the Bridge. <laughs> <laughs>